0: Yo, what's up? Dr. Swole here, MD, bodybuilder, back with another episode on Swole Radio. Today I'm joined by Patty Lifts, uh, Patrick McKinnis, who is a science-based coach and WNBF pro natural men's physique athlete joining me today. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: It's my pleasure, man. Stoked to be back. Mm-hmm.
0: So today we're going to be going over a broad overview of training and nutrition and some really practical nitty-gritty coaching advice from an experienced coach and competitor today. So we're going to start off just by catching up with, uh, Patty here. He's been on the podcast earlier and it's been, it's been over almost a year, over a year.
1: Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's awesome to see the growth with, uh, the podcast, the channel, just you as an athlete. So yeah, yeah, thanks thanks, man. Yeah, it's been
0: 2020 has been uh, a busy, busy time for sure. So. Yeah, so Patty, just picking up, uh, what's been going on with you this last year and what has happened with your physique
1: and training? Yeah, man, uh, there's been lots of ups and downs with uh, the uh, limitations from COVID, but um, I switched over um, to to a power building approach uh, when I came back to Canada uh, because I was in Thailand and uh, with COVID, I I came back and, We got the garage set up, so I was limited to a rack, uh, a bar bench, and just some dumbbells. Um, But it's been a lot of fun because when you reach a certain level, you know, intermediate to advanced, it's a little bit harder to see the day-to-day changes in your physique. So it's been great great chasing the numbers a little bit more, um, just creating it a little bit more enjoyable for me, especially as an athlete um, prior and as a powerlifter as well. Um, So that's been a lot of fun.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, what's been happening with um, with your physique in terms of? I know you were dieting for a while.
1: Yeah, so I actually was prepping. I was going to compete this year. Um, I did go into prep. Um, I got pretty close. I was, I don't know, eight to twelve weeks or something like that out from the show, and then I decided to turn off um, to get back into a development season. Um, So I would say I'm I'm like decently lean. Like I was 220 at my peak. I was a little bit out of shape, enjoying the traveling lifestyle, the (laughs) food back in Asia, Um, but I'm feeling really good right now around 190 pounds. And I plan on keeping it pretty tight uh, along the way um, as I develop into hopefully competing next year. Um, so, I, I am um, performing a variation of Jeff Nipbird's power building program, although uh, I switched it up a little bit to more prioritize um, the judging criteria of the men's physique class. Mm.
0: Yeah, sounds strategic. Yeah, all right. So, switching gears, we're just going to switch over into some training advice and we're just going to talk about some really practical, actionable points that I think are going to be helpful for our listeners here. So starting off, just say from the beginning, if you're when you're taking on a new client and let's say they're sort of in that beginner uh, stage, how do you start them off in terms of training? Let's say they've been following some sort of program up till now, just winging it.
1: For sure. So what I like to do is evaluate their physique and um, ensure or see what their goals are. So that's what matters the most. Um, Let's say we're taking an an approach towards eventually competing in men's physique, then of course we have to know the judging criteria of that so good V taper, good upper shelf, you know good abs, um, and then prioritize the volume still based on um, that criteria. Although in a beginner standpoint, I like to take a more balanced approach and grow overall because I feel like at the start, it's more important just to gain the size overall and then start specializing a little bit later on. But even during that time, I will um, specialize a little bit um, like on the spectrum where it's uh, in between specializing and um, following a balanced approach to make sure we are getting bigger overall.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, um,
0: yeah, let's say someone comes in and they've just been following something like a bro split. Um, how will you go about optimizing their program in terms of the different variables
1: like volume, frequency, intensity, and rep ranges? For sure. So I like to take at least a two times per week frequency overall, first of all, and then, um, as for, um, volume, um, I like to prioritize more of the volume on the areas we're trying to grow. So, of course, you wanna break down the fundamentals, um, make sure we're progressive overloading, You know, taking into account um, the main mechanisms for muscle hypertrophy, so mechanical tension, um, which is pretty much your training volume, how much you're, you're lifting, your that's your reps, um, that type of thing. And uh, just go over the basics, so I like to, um, throw in the, the compound movements, you know, just get down, um, you know, the squat, bench, deadlift, the the big ones versus more specializing into like uh, more isolation movements or not really throwing in like drop sets or mile reps or supersets, that type of thing Well, depending on the situation, because if they're limited to that one hour time slot, you might have to throw in some supersets to speed up the programming, but um, Honestly, I think um, just focusing on the basics, which I want to emphasize, because I feel like a lot of people jump into programming and they want to get too advanced too quickly. And uh, I think you need to stick to the bread and butter. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So how will, so in terms of, I guess, the uh, zoomed in detail of this, how will you change their program? Will you start by um, you'll look at the program, see how they're doing and then say, okay, why don't we, you know, add in a couple of sets here, and like, week by week and see how it goes like
1: that. For sure. So, um, in a volume standpoint, I do like to utilize the volume landmarks, although with someone who's a beginner, I like to start on the lower end to be safe, you know, I don't want to throw anyone in there um, and risk any injury if they're responding very well, well, then I, I personally like to take a more static approach to volume, and I like to use more of a marker of set volume overall and I can see if they are progressing by seeing if progressive overload is happening within the movements now if in if in certain areas it is not um, moving at the rate I would like to to move at then I may increase the volume to provide a little bit more stimulus in those areas Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah sounds good and in terms of progression schemes how
0: do you like people progressing their weights let's say both for hypertrophy
1: or strength priorities? For sure. So um, when I'm looking at the program, um, as mentioned, I do like to take a more static approach, although um the first week is almost like an entry level week where you know they find their weights they get a groove into the training split and then from there it leaves a little bit more room for uh, progressive overload so if that's keeping the rpe a little bit lower the first week maybe closer to a six and seven and then we'll amp it up to a seven and eight even nine um throughout the meso cycle um so every week we are trying to add load Um, as a beginner um That would be the main focus. Let's say load is a little bit hard to add. um, Then I would say add a rep one or two until you can increase the minimum amount possible. So, you know, dumbbells generally a five pound Um, increment. It fits on the bar. If you guys have the two pound plates, then uh, I do recommend using those. Um, you know, I see a lot of beginners, they want to jump in, they use they throw in a plate on the bench and they just want to jump to that 25 right away, but it's really important to slowly progressive overload and ensuring that the form is consistent to ensure that we're actually progressing um, versus, you know, <laughs> trying to lift your butt off the bench or uh, adjust the form just to get the weight up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then
0: how does, what kind of progression schemes do you move towards, say, for an advanced athlete, so
1: someone who will stall on a lot of these uh, techniques? Um, Someone who's a little bit more advanced, if I'm trying to increase the weight, um, I would actually increase the frequency. So um, I find that lifting is also a skill and when you're performing it more often, you're gonna be able to get better at that one specific lift and keep the variables a lot more consistent. So let's say for bench press example, um, if you're trying to Um, improve your chest, you know, I'll even push it up to four times per week now. Um, I might have a heavier day, Uh, maybe we're hitting four to six reps, you know, and then maybe some more hypertrophy-based days, and then maybe a speed day. Now, with that said, since the frequency is a lot higher, I do recommend pulling back the RPE to ensure that we are recovering in between sessions uh, because the goal overall is accumulating the most amount of volume over time. you know i don't want to put it all into one single session or two sing- or two sessions per week i want to make sure we're getting the most um, overall volume throughout the entire week and then from meso to meso
0: mm-hmm. yeah no that that sounds intelligent for sure i think that um, people people like to talk about high frequency training and they they maybe talk about a couple studies and just say they just want to jump on it but i think it's really something you have to be careful about in terms of fatigue management, where uh, people fall into the trap of saying, oh, I go from two to three days a week, I'm just going to add in, duplicate a day
1: and add add that in, but it's really not the case. You have to take a lot of stuff into account. Yeah, for a beginner, I actually don't like to do a high frequency protocol, just because it's a lot harder to gauge your RPE and regulate your um, recovery. Um, you know, intermediate, advanced people I find uh, have a little bit more experience with their body on how they're feeling and regulating the RPE better. Um, yeah, But
0: something I've been thinking about. I guess where you hear people talking about, I guess, arguing for lower frequencies, and I guess one of the the arguments is that if someone is inexperienced and all they know, like the only RPE they know is zero, like they can they can they train to failure and like smash it and like that's all they know, then in that case, then sometimes a lower keeping the frequency a little lower can help them, like just in terms of managing their fatigue. Um, but uh, yeah, like it, it's definitely something that uh, takes some experience as you as you move into the higher numbers. In terms of progression, how will you progress um, smaller body parts? So like even, yeah, like say you're
1: arms or your smaller muscles for sure so i like to almost take the same approach um, with the bigger body parts um, where our focus is progressive overloading and accumulating accumulating more volume in those areas um, some things that you can do is start off with that body part um, during your workout so let's say um, you're doing a full body and maybe you're going to be starting with bench press or deadlift or squat, one of the bigger movements, I actually like to start off with arms to make sure um, where you have the most amount of energy, you're not fatigued, you're able to perform um, the best in those areas and then also continue to increase the frequency so we can accumulate the most amount of volume now. Um, With that said, I probably would have to pull back in other areas such as chest, shoulders and back because when you're performing those movements, you're also going to indirectly hit those areas as well. So on a chest press, you're going to use your triceps and pulling, rowing movements, you're going to be using your biceps um, to just to better regulate um, recovery as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Um, And for people who are just moving into that intermediate zone, how do you recommend that they get into auto regulation and start
1: learning that skill for sure so um when people are starting to um i guess follow the programming and they're learning um the rpe system um i would say focus on trying to hit a true rpe 7 true rpe 8 and learn how to hit those um you know starting out you might actually have to hit that failure point, just to see where you're at. Of course, you want to take the safest approach possible, and then practice hitting or leaving a rep or two left in the tank. And I would just say it just takes experience, um, and then evaluating, um, you know, your biofeedback. You know, are you feeling fatigued? Are you sore? Are you lethargic? And getting, getting to be more aware with your body, and then understanding. That it's okay to perform less volume now. Beginners and people who are pushing up, or even advanced people, uh, we love to push volume as high as we can. That's what I notice. And you know, you want to get the best bang for buck. You want to put in the most amount of work. But if you start doing too much volume, you're actually going to bring yourself backwards. So um, just be aware. And I find that um, you know, really prioritizing recovery um, is going to be um, the best thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting seeing
0: the science based sphere going through that phase where there's just that initial volume research. And there was just those few studies that just showed, you know, better hypertrophy just scaling up with volume all like without end and people were just, I just imagine people going to the gym, like hitting 40 sets a week and stuff. But anyways, I think that it's important to, you know, realize that there probably is an upper limit of volume for uh, any individual person and finding out that range. In terms of your training, how do you like to measure progress? What's your uh, benchmark for that? Especially considering how, um, you know, like your one rep max strength may not necessarily correlate to hypertrophy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's say I'm in a development phase right now. I like to use the uh, body weight metric of increasing, um one percent of my body weight per month Um, that is that is a good goal you know you're not going to really see that 0.25 increase every single week Um, it's going to be hard so i would say a month because if you go anything slower than that you don't really know if you're making progress Um, anything faster than that then i feel like you're going to be adding fat um that you're going to have to just diet off a little bit later um in a, a training standpoint you know, I understand that I'm not going to be able to add a load to the bar every single time. So if I'm adding a rep, I'm going to be super happy. And if I can't do that, and I know that um, last week was a little bit harder when I'm checking my logbook, well, then maybe I'll just try and improve my form. Now, if that's a little bit better control on the tempo, if that's keeping a little bit tighter, and when when I'm moving the weight with a better um, path that type of thing that's where i find it's really important that you utilize the note section in your logbook to make sure you write down you know how did the set feel what went wrong what went, what went well and then you can use those qualitative um, <laughs> um things to see what you can do in the future to get better mm, yeah no that's that's great and in terms
0: of uh tracking progress um, uh, what do you like to do with your clients in
1: terms of pictures? Pictures, you know, you want to make sure that the lighting's exactly the same. You do it first thing in the morning, the same thing with your wanes. You know, if you need to use the washroom, uh, make sure you do that before you eat anything. Um, and then <laughs> especially when you're in a prep, you know, yeah. like
0: I <laughs> you know that can be tough, man. <laughs> Limited food, man.
1: Um, And then you're gonna be hitting your mandatory poses. Um, On top of that, um, I like to send out a questionnaire, um, you know, ask questions, what was your, what is your sleep like? Um, Where are your stress levels at? Um, How are you feeling mentally? Like, did you feel like you had a good week? and on top of that obviously if you can then you can measure your body fat i know there's going to be a lot of limitations with that especially if you're just using a scale with bioelectrical impedance analysis or calipers there's going to be some error, but it's going to be at least a decent um guideline um, from week to week for that one individual person and then of course measurements um now when you're looking at all of that data as a whole then i feel like it paints a better picture because you're controlling a lot more things and you have um, more information and you take out less variables or or error that make that could happen
0: mm-hmm. yeah out of in terms of things like you're measuring uh impedance or calipers or uh, measurements which of those do you like and do or do you like them all
1: um Honestly, it's. I find that the biggest limitation is what does that person have available. Um, I'm not. I'm honestly not the biggest fan of either of those things because unless you're trained to do the calipers then it's gonna be really hard. And even when you are trained, the air is gonna be huge. And then bioelectrical impedance in houses is actually based off calipers anyways. So I feel like that's not gonna be as accurate and there's gonna be so much variable in there as well. So like, if you're stepping on the scale, it's mostly gonna just measure your legs anyways. And then um, I just find that, you know, depending what you ate or drank the, like the night before, if it was just before you went to bed, that's gonna really Um, affect that number, but I find that they're good guidelines. So I would say on a priority list, they're one of the lower things that I'm going to take into account. Mm -hmm.
0: And if you are taking measurements, um, what measurements will you you use?
1: I Like the waist, um, you know, around the shoulder chest area, um, the arms, each arm, each leg um, around the thigh like the biggest part of your arm, the biggest part of the thigh, or around the mid area. But I would say those are decent around the calf, um, just to get a decent guideline. Um, A lot of the time when you're looking at pictures, like even if the person is slightly turned a certain way with their posing, you know, it's going to be a little bit hard to just judge on that alone. Um, So you can have these other measurements to help tell the entire story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you're
0: taking on someone initially, will will you get them to send you videos of
1: themselves training? Yeah. So even even um, you know the advanced people, you I always want to see the form when they're lifting. Like uh, just for an example, for a beginner, I was working with someone and you know, on paper, it didn't make sense. I, I saw the numbers moving, but I, I feel like the the physical results weren't really there. And then when we took the video, then I, I could 100% see that the RPE was off. Um, so then, you know, you have to break it down back to the basics, you know, teach our correct rpe so how far are we going to failure um you know maybe you just need to fix the form on bench or just small little tweaks you know those things are going to make the biggest difference because we can send over the best protocol um, but if you're not able to adhere to it and and follow the protocol properly and that's assuming you're hitting the correct relative intensity the correct form on those exercises then it's not going to be um that effective so um it is really important, no matter how advanced you are, that you're continuously taking videos, evaluating your form, evaluating the RPE, and uh, making sure you're optimizing everything that you can.
0: Mm -hmm. And coming back to um, what you were talking about with your questionnaire, that's interesting. What kind of, uh, what kind of markers do you like to look at in terms of, say,
1: sleep? Like, how, how will you define someone's sleep and recovery quality? Yeah, for sure. So um, I asked a couple of questions regarding sleep. So number one is how long was that sleep? How rested do you feel? Um, those, are, those are certain things. I also, um, the app that I use also connects with um, uh, Fitbit if you have one, the Apple Watch, and then you can actually see um, how much REM or how much deep sleep or light sleep that they're having. Um, and then you can see, their sleep quality and i understand that you know you're going through prep sometimes it's going be a little bit harder to get sleep in and um you know sometimes you need to pull back with training or look at different things are you taking pre-workout like eight hours before bed you know you need to look at some of the smaller things that uh, that you know you might not think of because you're so focused on just the training protocol or just the nutrition protocol where um you know a small change in Maybe not taking your pre-workout eight hours before bed um, could really make. So I would say those three things um, with regards to sleep.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, how about stress? How will you sort
1: of quantify or estimate stress and deal with it? So stress, I um, I just have a question that it's a you know out of ten, um, how stressed did you feel this week? And then, if so, why? And um, depending on what it is. You know, I like to share personal um, ways I like to deal with stress so some things that I like to do is meditation, um, journaling, you know, just self care so and, and also just implementing activities that you enjoy. And I find like a lot of these things are underrated because you know, a lot of athletes are so hardcore they just want to eat, sleep, train. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that's not the best thing if it's gonna be bringing a lot of stress. So, you know, maybe you just need to sit down and watch a movie or play some video games, do something to keep your keep your mind off other things and make sure that you're able to have a, a good quality of life during your finished journey. Um, because we're doing this to, to, for happiness, you know? (laughs) Yeah. If someone's going through,
0: you know, a really rough time in terms of, uh, just life events and
1: things, how will you, uh, manage their training? Um, it it depends on, on the situation, but you know, if we need to deload or like tone back with training, drop the frequency of training, or even just take a, a, a total rest. 100% 100% off training well then um, you know that might be a good idea for that person a lot of the time that I feel like uh, most people enjoy training so um, we, we can continue but make sure that we are more so emphasizing recovery. Um, you are going to you know you're, you're inducing stress to your body when you are training so You know, I want to make sure that there's a balance overall in their life um, to make sure that uh, you can progress. So what I find personally when I'm dealing with my clients is that when the when their life is going well, they're happy, they're going to get better results overall. And as a coach, you know, my biggest priority is improving their quality of life. And it's not just the training and nutrition. It's about, you know, bringing happiness to them and fulfillment and, uh helping them do that through fitness. I don't want to make fitness take away from, you know, other aspects that might bring them down overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then coming back to tracking um,
0: physique, uh, what are some basic visual landmarks you use to estimate a person's body fat when they're just coming to you and say they don't have access to, you
1: know, Dex or some sort of measurement? For sure. I just purely do it off visual um through video if they want to give me a um a physique update with their mandatories um so front side back um even for physique guys i do request um looking at their legs as well um because depending on the genetics you can't really control where the body fat is going to come off so target um body fat (laughs) body fat but Um, I do find it's important to understand where they're at because sometimes you're digging, you're going to see a lot of the fat come off their legs and you're going to have to make sure you have enough time to burn the fat off their legs if you have to before it's going to come off the top. You know, a lot of guys, they lose fat last off their midsection and that's one of the most important parts for the men's physique class is having um, good abs. So um, it is important that you do um, show your legs during that physique update to make sure um, we're, we're going to prepare, make sure we have enough time, um, to actually get down to that, uh, needed body fat level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then
0: what will you look at specifically in terms of maybe definition in certain areas or like separation of muscles or different body fat percentage levels as a very rough estimate, obviously this is going to vary a lot by the person, but even sort of as a broad
1: range, even up to sort of the higher body fat percentage levels. So like what areas of their body do I look at more so yeah you know I find uh, looking at their abs their obliques this their lower back um, males usually hold there the most so that's a good marker. Um, I find males start to lose it off their upper shelf very quickly really depends on the person, you know, for me, I lose first off my abs and my legs come in last. So for a lot of the off season, I'm going to look a lot leaner than I am, especially when I'm posting pics on Instagram. Um, they're like, man, you're looking really good. You're probably, um, really close out. And if I'm competing in bodybuilding, I'm like, man, I got a lot of time to go. Um, but yeah, yeah just around the midsection, you know, just around that's going to be the biggest factor. And I find for males, that's going to really be the telltale for if they're going to be right or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then how about for females? Females, I find that they they hold it more on their lower body, like their posterior chain, um, their legs, that's gonna be a little bit more where they hold it, um, like not as much as males, but around their midsection, lower back as well. That's what I personally find. That's where they hold it the most. Um, so when you're competing in, um, let's say bikini or figure, um, you know, looking at their legs is gonna be the most important part for them to dial in i find that's the hardest part to bring in for them mm-hmm.
0: yeah makes sense for um females how do you track their scale weight because this can vary
1: a lot for some people for sure so because of the monthly cycle we need to take into account their hormones and that's going to be um that's going to change a lot because of how much um like weight they're going to be holding on to from bloating during those times so sometimes you're going to have to look at you know week one versus week one of the next cycle week two versus week two of the next cycle of course you're going to want to make sure that the trend is still moving down but i find that it's it's a little bit harder to evaluate short term where um you're gonna have to be a little bit more experienced to do that so i find that females is a little bit more discouraging looking at the scale because it's gonna be more of a staircase effect with weight loss. You know, they're gonna stall a lot and then there's gonna be a big drop. So you're still aiming for that average, um, you know, zero point five to one percent loss per week on average, um, but it generally doesn't happen over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, um, yeah, moving on to just a more broad outlook Um, some you'll hear a lot of people online saying that, you know, as long as you just hit progressive overload and eat in a surplus and hit protein that you're going to be, you're going to get all of your, your natural gains. What are your, um, what's your general advice for people to focus on, say at the different levels, beginner, intermediate
1: and advanced? Um, beginner, um, you know, I think it's really important to make sure you have the fundamental the fundamentals down so your form uh, understanding you know what rpe is you know just trying to progressive overload just the very basics and then as you get a little bit more advanced then um you know you can more focus on um looking at your logbook and and looking at progressive overload and seeing how high you can really push your set volume um, or how much you might have to pull back so looking at the hypertrophy curve you know you're going to there's going to be volume landmarks to show that you're going to get the most out of a certain amount of set volume. But, you know, one person might benefit from doing a little bit more, one person might benefit from doing a little bit less. And then seeing the rate of progressive overload um, with a certain amount of set volume, then you can kind of understand um, where that's going to be for that one individual. And as I find personally, the stronger the person gets and the more advanced they get, generally that set volume is going to come back more. And I I personally feel like that's because of the fatigue first starting out. You're just, you're hitting bench press for an example, you're hitting 95 pounds relative to your body weight. You know, it's not going to bring as much fatigue per se versus, you know, someone smashing like 300, 400 pounds on bench um relative to their body weight so i find that the you're gonna have to find other ways um to take advantage of the hypertrophy stimulus um and managing fatigue a little bit better um so for me um you know maybe adding in a little bit more isolation movements for my chest because pressing can be really fatiguing um, with the higher weight
0: Mm -hmm. yeah for yourself How has your volume requirements changed
1: over your training career? Yeah, so just for an example, as I was um, growing maybe a couple years ago, I would say I'd be doing seven to eight exercises for three to four sets. Now, um, going into the gym, I find that it's a lot better for me to do even two to three sets for maybe even six to seven exercises. So my exercises might have dropped but my set volume dropped a lot and I find that I'm progressive overloading a lot more and I'm able to get more volume in because I can hit it at a higher frequency. So I'm looking at my overall volume a little bit um, more, but um, it is my set volume did drop a lot. Um, And it was hard for me as an athlete to find that out (laughs) because I love pushing it Um, so and then also something that I do take into account more are my rest days, make sure I take those and uh, <laughs> take the loads as needed. And personally, I like to auto-regulate deloads. I don't like to do a missile cycle and then deload. I like to um, you know, listen and, and look at biofeedback and then see when I, I should take a deload. Obviously looking at training variables is, is progressive overload slowing down my stagnant. Do I need to deload?
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess taking a little closer look at your current program. um, What I, yeah, I guess in terms of how you, how are your main lifts programmed?
1: Um, So I'm doing a a variation of Jeff Nipper's power building program. So right now um, it's an alternating split. So um, one week is five days a week, high frequency, then the next week is six days per week, upper lower. now i'm I'm, i am hitting um uh the big lifts two times per week um ish because of the alternating i personally like to tone back on squat and deadlift a little bit because uh it's so fatiguing and i am prioritizing my upper body um so you know i try and hit bench press three times a week when i can um and then uh deadlift and squat you know if i squat twice, I'll deadlift once. If I deadlift twice, I'll squat once um, at the moment. Um, It's more about balancing that uh, uh, recovery for me, which I find that is something that I um, consistently bring it up, but it's been my biggest battle for me personally
0: yeah man you're a machine <laughs> Thanks, the, man. the
1: gym the gym
0: can't recover man <laughs> gotta give the gym a rest day bro I, I just
1: love looking heavy man it just feels feels good bro i to get that rush and then the numbers i'm just a, a numbers driven guy when i see the numbers go up then you know it makes me feel good to know that i'm actually moving forward mm-hmm um, yeah, what's the, what's the reasoning for alternating the split structure from week to week? So with the, the power building program, um, there is almost a, uh, a strength ish week and a more hypertrophy based week. And, um, you're going to be going at a higher intensity. So a higher load, um, at the lower frequency week. And then the next week you're going to be going at a little bit lower um intensity so lower load week but it's going to be more volume so then um it's i find that it was helping um regulate recovery but you're still getting the best of both worlds so on the log book you're gonna to have to compare week one to week three um, because you're alternating and then week two to week four it can get a little bit confusing but the this programming is more um, intermediate advanced generally i personally don't do that um for when i'm um programming usually i like a static um, meso cycle and then just more try and focus on progressive overload each week and then you know increase the rpe after the first entry level week um but this is the current approach that i'm taking um at the moment
0: Mm -hmm. um yeah i guess how would you um how would you like compare and contrast this sort of style versus like a more, um, I guess, conjugate training style for someone who's interested in power building. And I guess this would depend on
1: experience level as well. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it was really effective. Um, to make sure you're getting stronger. So if you do want to focus on strength now, personally, I don't feel like it's an optimal way to train for hypertrophy. If you're looking for purely for hypertrophy then i would recommend taking this approach but since um, strength training is something that i also do enjoy um especially when i'm up at this intermediate advanced level um because it's harder to see my physique change then it really keeps me going to the gym every day um and something i would like to say is that you know being consistent over a long period of time is going to be better than you know short best of high motivation and then taking time off. So if that keeps you in the gym and that keeps you going, well, then it's something that I I would want you to do, but um, it it has helped a lot with my strength. And, you know, I'm still not taking a powerlifting approach. I'm taking, you know, a mixed um, strength and hypertrophy approach, but I still was able to hit some lifetime PRs and I'm hitting um, some numbers within training that I have hit on the platform where I actually competed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what are your
0: plans in terms of competing in um, strength again?
1: Um, so I go through this in my head all the time and every off season I'm like, ah, I'm probably gonna do a powerlifting meet, but I always go back to just focusing on my physique because I know that strength training is gonna take away from actually developing my physique, excuse me. Um, so I want to do one, with everything going on in the world right now, I'm just more focusing on um, working towards the stage. And if there's a meet that lines up, um, well then I'll do it, if not, it's okay. I'm not gonna really, you know, do a power um, a powerlifting peak or a, um, you know, prep for it i'm just gonna continue to train and then probably just take a week off beforehand or deload and then hit the meet just more more for fun but i'm not sure man i don't want (laughs) to set anything in stone right now and i'm just gonna kind of go with the flow and make a game time decision i'm just because it's just something that i like to do for fun
0: yeah no that's yeah for sure if for someone who let's say they had equal priority for powerlifting and bodybuilding how would you recommend they structure their season or years in terms of planning in competitions
1: um i would like to do it is that um when the person is in their off season you know i personally like to take that power building approach where you're hitting your main lifts at the start of your workout then you're getting in the volume after um but within the season, breaking the season down, I like to try and hit the powerlifting meet just before you're hitting prep or just when you're starting prep. Um, It's gonna give you the most amount of time to prepare for the meet in the development season. And then um, once the meet is over, then you can um, purely focus on prep because once you start getting into a deficit, um, you're gonna have to manage fatigue a little bit more and your lifts are gonna start to go down. So I find that in best case scenario, if you can find a show and a meet to line up that way, that would be um, the best way to set it up. Mm -hmm.
0: And coming back a little bit about, um, to the progression methods. Um, when you, when you mentioned, yeah, that you, you like looking at numbers because obviously for an advanced athlete, who's a natural, you might not see changes very frequently for someone who is advanced and purely focused on physique um and let's say they they may not be prioritizing um you know strength in in
1: on their main list what how do you like to measure their progress at that point yeah, so let's say for a physique athlete you know um upper let's say they need to work on their upper chest i still like to use metrics of their starting movements most of the time so if that's a incline bench press incline dumbbell press I still want to see those numbers move up. I find that it's important, you know, the number one mechanism for muscle hypertrophy is mechanical tension. So I want to see that volume increase over time. And if we have to, you know, amp up the volume in those areas, pull back another to more prioritize recovery. We have to increase the volume in those areas. Um, and also another thing how I like to break down their meso cycles is that I find like taking a more DUP approach. Um, works a little bit better than more of a linear approach just in my experience Um, with the athlete um, switching up the rep ranges within the week I find helps out a lot Um, but that's just a a personal experience
0: Mm -hmm. when you're when you're implementing DUP like that what kind of uh, variation in rep ranges are we talking about
1: so just like how I talked about the, the you know heavier days moderate and even speed days for a physique athlete, just to make sure that we're able to increase the lifts over time. But more focusing on those hypertrophy rep ranges, I do find that switching it up and having that heavier day in, And uh, even if we're going at like four or five days a week frequency, um, having that speed day versus not doing anything um, will help. So I find, um, you know, you're gonna get a good stimulus by, you know, pushing as hard as you can, turning on those motor units, um, with explosive speed, but you're going to get a lot of, um, stimulus for the amount of fatigue you're going to get out of it in in a relative standpoint for that one specific exercise.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen, I guess there, there have been some people who will, um, say that as a bodybuilder at some point, you're not going to get stronger. Um, especially say on smaller lifts, like for example, like bicep curls. Um, I mean, you're you're not going to see people bicep
1: curling like hundreds of hundreds of pounds. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um. You know, you, you know, it's going to take a lot longer, especially so let's say you're curling the 50s and going to 50 to 55 is going to take so much longer than going from 25 to 30. So you're going to have to use other ways to increase volume. Um, you know, I personally do like implementing um, intensity techniques um, for those, you know, you're going to get a little bit of more metabolic work that way. Um, but I do want to increase volume. So if that's adding in, you know, let's say mile reps and you only hit four one day, and then you get five on the mile rep, one extra rep, then I'm gonna be super happy. I know with straight sets, it's gonna be a little bit harder. Um, So then even if you're moving at the higher rep ranges, increasing volume, then I'm gonna be happy. As long as there's progression over time, then that's what the main, thing is that i'm going to be looking for but i i don't think that you should just believe that you're hitting a wall and you should just stop you should always train to try and progress
0: mm-hmm. yeah no i think that's
1: great what kind of intensity techniques do you like um you can do cluster sets rest pause um, drop sets um, you can add in you know there's different variations of exercise sequences like uh, maybe you're going to be doing um, overhead press and then superset that with push press. Um, those are those are the main ones that I really use. I don't like to add them in too much because it's really hard to measure volume. Um, but you know you're going to get a little bit of extra that way. So for the most part, stick to the bread and butter of straight sets and then add those in a little bit later later on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, great. So I think that's been a really productive conversation. And uh I think that people are gonna let it get a lot of, out of this. Um one last fun question. Um I just wanted to ask, could you explain to the audience your sleep schedule and why it's so terrible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, no, this is uh <laughs> this is
1: tough, bro. So to everyone that doesn't know, I have severe sleep apnea and I always struggle with I don't know, just ongoing with sleep, and uh, man, it's I literally don't have one. I could be getting up at three p.m. or getting up at five a.m. It just <laughs> it's not something that I'm proud of because I do feel like you need to follow a, a schedule, you know, follow your circadian rhythm. You're gonna get more out of that just naturally overall. But just for me, something I need to to work on. <laughs> yeah anyways so yeah for people who don't
0: follow uh patty on instagram you'll see him posting at all hours of the day
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah people always ask me man when do you when do you actually sleep you know i throw in those naps and (laughs) here and there i just the times i'm not posting that's when i'm (laughs) 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 all righty where can the audience find you Yeah, if you want to check me out on Instagram, patty.lifts, YouTube, patty lifts. just search it up. Those are my two main platforms that I use. So, Mm -hmm. and
0: what's your main demographic that you coach that you like to coach?
1: Yeah. um, So competitors are people who are aspiring to compete, uh, dominantly males. And I would say men's physique, men's physique guys. Great. So
0: I will put those links in the description. Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Awesome, man. Appreciate your time. It was fun. Looking forward to doing it again, man.
0: That's all for now, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, give me a five-star rating, and leave me a review. My primary platform is YouTube, so if you'd like to see video content by me, you can find my YouTube channel if you search Ask Dr. Swole. See you next time.